0: Hey, folks, I'm Tom. And this is Keith. And uh, you should know that by now if you're listening to this very program. We talk a lot about the Dunlap Champions Club. Often it has to do with football season, but the season is over. It's in the rearview mirror. But very important note here, don't put the Dunlap Champions Club in the rearview mirror. One of these largest event spaces, the Champions Club is quickly becoming the go-to place for
1: charity functions, meetings, and events. Located on the fourth floor, Champions Club consists of an east area, a west area, or you can buy them featuring floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking Bobby Bowden Field, providing a spectacular view for all of your guests. We've been there. We've done it. It's worth it
0: great event space. Uh, if the fourth floor doesn't suit your needs, there's also the sixth floor, whether it's the Southeast Terrace or the Southwest Terrace. Regardless of configuration uh, or number of folks, the Dunlap Champions Club, a great uh, event space and can accommodate your needs. For more information, Mr. Jones? Let's see. You should call the FSUChampionsClub.com Excuse me.
1: FSUChampionsClub.com Do you website. call Do you call the website or do you, you just log into the website? You call the number. Oh, what's the number? The number is 644-1830 or again, online, fsu.
0: Championsclub.com. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We're done.
2: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom and Keith back together again. Happy New Year in person, KJ. Same to you, Tommy. Same to you. Two 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 words for the new year. Uh-oh. I shudder to think what they might be. Butt whooping. I thought you might say Clemson Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> One and the same. <laughs> two syllables. Sunshine. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, right? And I mean, a lot of ways to go. I know this has been digested, disseminated. Before Uh-oh. I finish that thought, go
1: ahead. I was just going to say, have you seen the photo that has been going around on social media in Tallahassee? Which is the recruiting trip photo of one Trevor Lawrence standing there with the number 16 in garnet and gold and that long hair. He looks just the same a year and a half ago or whenever that was. And uh, the one I got underneath the
0: caption said, Thanks, Jimbo. <laughs> well, we're sort of in the phase where you're going to blame, you got to blame somebody. I mean, that's American society, whatever it is. We just got to blame somebody. So Jimbo's name has been thrown out there for everything, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it has. Trevor Lawrence, I also saw the meme that's out there of the quarterback from, oh, I remember the Titans, Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. Sunshine, mm-hmm. and he and he throws the ball and hits the guy in the back of the head, and he turns around, it's the crying Jordan, but it's Nick Saban's face over <laughs> it. I thought I heard Jeff Cameron talking about this. It really was the fake field goal call. I mean, if you wanted to sound the alarm that Nick Saban was not into this game, was not prepared, it's passing him by, that was – I thought the Kirby Smart fake punt call was bad until I saw that. Well, I disagree with you because that's not what happened on that play.
1: You can't blame that on Saban. What, what, I'm going down the same path. There's a call. When you call a fake punt or a fake field goal, if it shows up where you shouldn't run it, you call. You have a call. And you right, call it off. Right. Well, I'm firmly convinced that everybody got the that nobody made the call to call it off, and the offensive lineman thought he heard the call to call it
0: off. And my point is, it was all on the plate. I get what you're saying. As we get into the minutiae. to me, it just was a sign. It was a similar, but it was a, it was a sign of how collectively things were bad, and that's. Really, the way to address this, and Florida State folks don't want to hear it instead of talking about what Alabama didn't do, is to talk about what Clemson is, which is a juggernaut right now.
1: You got to tip your cap to him. It was unbelievable. So, what we're saying is that Florida State, that Alabama is going to go winless for the next five years because they got trounced by Clemson in the national championship game. I just remind ourselves that we got trounced in the national championship game by Florida in '95 or 96, and did we go winless the next five years? No, we played for the national
0: championship three more times. I don't think anybody thinks that Alabama's going winless. I do think that maybe the shine is what I hope, and I did not do a survey, but my sense is most FSU people were rooting for Alabama because they think this, because Clemson winning again just means it's insurmountable to ever catch up. I disagree. We're going to have to play Clemson every year, regardless of whether they won that game on Monday or not. Exactly. So let's let it be the ACC winning it. But what I hope is that the shine is off Alabama and we can stop giving them the benefit of the doubt on everything, that they always deserve to be there, and they're one of the four no matter what, period, the end of sentence. That's what I'm tired of, which is why I've been in favor of changing the playoff or changing the selection process and all that. Speaking of which, Keith. Keith. Next year, the national championship game is on January 13th, the way the calendar falls. Just going to leave that out. Very late. Very late, he's saying. Very Very late, late, he's saying. This year, January 19th, six days later than when the championship will be next year, is a Saturday with no NFL football with the NFC and AFC championship games on the next day. Is that not where this college football championship game should be so we can stop staying up till 1230 at night on Monday? My kid could actually watch the game? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the argument about not having another round of playoffs before Christmas is, oh, everybody's in finals. We can't break up school. Well, half the schools don't take start their, school till mid-January. Not only that,
1: they take their finals about the, the second or third week of December, not the not the week before Christmas. And so half the
0: institutions don't go back to school till January 15th. And so if you play in that week, it's like day five of the semester. It's okay.
1: Not only that the national championship game is not a bowl trip you're not going for seven or eight days right you go for two days maybe three days right
0: right you're going for exactly So, I, whoa what's going on here i am now i am now on your bandwagon i know well you had to start off by disagreeing about the fake field goal but now you've joined i'm just saying before i've rethought the whole playoff thing keith not did uh, it hurt I, did it hurt I, I, reading social media and paying attention to it hurts. Yes, I would agree with that. I, I, you know, I moved off message boards, not that I was very much, I wasn't on them very much years ago when Twitter came of age. What was your tag, tag, by the way? For a short period. What was your tag, by the way? It might have been, I don't even remember, it might have been like 12 minutes in one June day. Twitter was a nice place to be. There wasn't the stupid, angry, that was still on the message boards. But then everybody migrated and now that's what Twitter is. Not for me. Not for you. Not for you. You're still trying to figure out what it is exactly. I want to know how the fax machine works. I know. Anything else from that game the other night? I mean, people have talked about I, I credit. It, it, it was what it was. It is what it is.
1: Our freshmen are much better this time of year than they were 20 years ago. <clears throat> you had a freshman thrown to a freshman receiver. By the way, a couple of three great crush, catches by that freshman receiver. And those highly skilled teams, when one gets on top of another and gets on a roll, that's what happens. You you won't see a mediocre team beat a highly skilled team by three or four touchdowns very often, but you occasionally will see two highly skilled teams where one blows
0: the other ones out. We've seen it at NFL. We're now seeing it at the collegiate level. It's just the way it works. One thing I thought was interesting, and this is along. Uh when you when you look at Dabo, and much has been made about how he struggled the first three years and obviously has turned the corner, it is curious to me when you look at national champion coaches right now in the game, you've basically got Jimbo and Saban and Dabo. And so the ACC has won three of the last six and is at the head of the line. But both those winning coaches were were first-time head coaches. I mean, Dabo was a receivers coach. Jimbo was a coordinator. So this whole school of thought, any time that a job opens, if it's a power school, you know, it's afraid to roll the dice on somebody that hasn't been a head coach. And, and here, Clemson has proved you give them a little time and look what you got. No question. And, and, and I know how the Jimbo thing ended. Uh, and there were rocky times along the way. There are a lot of good times, too. But it was eight years. Right. I mean, it wasn't like it was three years.
1: Here's a, one other observation. We'll get off of it. Uh, someone asked me um, at the university on Monday – as we were getting, I was getting ready for classes to start uh, teaching Tuesdays and Thursdays this year, and uh, you know, what do you think the difference was? And what I looked at and what I saw is that the Clemson players were not uptight; they were very loose. They were having a good time, and I saw some—is uh, consternation the correct word? But something in the eyes of the Alabama players. Not that the moment was too big for them, but it—it it was like they were robots and they didn't have much feeling, and and they weren't excited. You know, it's like the, the regimented group versus a little bit of the rowdy group, and balancing that is obviously very delicate, but Dabo has done a great job of making it fun for those guys, even on the national stage.
0: I think that's what happens is you're making the journey up, and we saw it with Florida State's dynasty. Compared to when you're there and you're just expected to, it's not – nearly as much fun as the journey along the way we everybody's about the destination every yep. fsu fan right now wants to hear about championship number four and have that team but I, now i'm not suggesting last year was fun but now that the arrow is going to be pointed back up there is some fun along the way as you take steps and it's the age-old thing it is harder to stay there than it is to get there it just is having said that it looks like clemson's going to stay there for a while well alabama stayed there for a while and
1: arguably is still there i mean it, would anybody be surprised if these two teams were in the Final Four next year. Obviously, they've got to work their way through. They've got to win their ball games, et cetera, et cetera. But fast forward 362 days or whatever it would be, uh, would anybody be shocked if either of those
0: two were still there no. next year? Not at all. No. Anyway, I, I was uh, glad the way it ended. I know a lot of FSU fans will disagree. It doesn't change the work Florida State has to do, and it doesn't change the fact that Clemson's on top right now. It just makes beating, would, would, just
1: makes beating Clemson that
0: much better if and when you do it it also you can look at it and say man we got to play those guys every year or you can look at it and say it's an opportunity we get to test ourselves every year so yeah you done with that one i'm done with that one. all right we got basketball coming up tonight speaking of rivalries engaging yourself you know the 90s used to be fsu miami on the football field we got fsu miami hoops tonight uh let's recap the good points of that virginia fsu game keith okay now we're done with that yeah nine o'clock tonight 16-0 run to finish the ball game didn't quit all right, thank you. Uh, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us plus uh, more importantly some special guest. Coming and, up next segment. We hope. We won't even tease that. Our, uh, I thought you were gonna say more importantly, if you've if you've got a, a canine, this is the, the the weekend to get him married. The nuptials are taking place at Madison Social. Uh, they've also unveiled now a dog menu. So if you're not participating in the in the marital festivities, uh, you can just go any Saturday and they've you know they've got cupcakes and scooby snacks and whatever else is on that menu at township and centrale madison social there you go okay front row knolls just getting started back with more after this Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Big week for Florida State football in terms of some honors that went out. Uh, I would call them belated because it's it's been a while, but well-deserved, certainly. Without question. The latest uh, Hall of Famer from Florida State College Football Hall of Famer is Terrell Buckley, and he joins us now. T-Buck, how are you, sir?
3: Oh, man, I'm doing great. Uh, it's, it's been a special week. Uh Excited about all the things that's going on. Uh, very, very humble.
0: Congratulations, indeed, on the honor. What was your reaction uh, when you heard the news?
3: Oh man, it was it was it was weird. Now they sent a they sent a box. They sent the ball to uh, Mississippi State. They sent it to the office, and so I grabbed a box. I get a lot of you know I get a, still get a lot of fan mail, so I go through it and sign and send stuff back, so it takes me a little while to get to it. So I get the box, and we're getting ready to go to the ball game, and I take it. Uh, I'm heading to Georgia. Georgia. So I get to Georgia, and I'm going through the mail, uh, and I was having somebody help me to organize it, and they opened the box, and I look, and I saw that I, I know what the the – the symbol looks like, the college football, all the fame, and NCAA thing looks like. And I saw it, and it was one of those, like, no, no way, no way. Ah, you know, just that spontaneous excitement and joy and, and thankfulness and humbleness, all that stuff put together. So I probably did that for about five minutes. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was It was surreal.
1: Well, T-Buck, one of the questions we sometimes ask, and it sounds a little self-serving, but uh, given your career and and you spent 14 years in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, were you you, uh, anticipating this, or, or is this something that was completely out of your mind and caught you off guard a little bit?
3: Well, I was excited. I always figured that, you know, everybody said numbers don't lie and all this type of stuff. And what life teaches you sometimes that, just because you have the numbers and it says you should do this, there's a lot of factors involved and people voting that you don't know and and all that. So uh, through that, I I develop attitude. I never say never. Get too high or too low until it to something actually happens. That happened to me in the NFL. Uh, I think with the Pro Bowl, you know, I felt like after the what was the '98 season where well, I finished top-ranked defense, fifth and punt returns, uh, second in intercepts interception, led the league in interception, returned yardage, scored a couple touchdowns. And I was the alternate, which was the third time. that That's where that kind of attitude of, of, I played this game, I started this game for one reason, to have fun with, with the local, with my guys I grew up with. And I have fun. That's why I played it. I love competing and making plays and and the challenges and the struggles that, that it brings. That's why I played and that's what I went back to. And when this opportunity or this blessing came through, uh, when I saw it finally, that's when I got excited.
0: We're talking with former Seminole great Terrell Buckley, now a, a assistant coach, coaches cornerbacks at uh, Mississippi State. T. Buck, yeah. your your days at uh, FSU, I, I overlapped with you. I was in school here from eighty eight to ninety one, and your playing days were eighty nine to ninety one. And uh, yeah. when, when when I first showed up on campus, it was all which was fall of eighty eight before you got here. It was all yeah. about Dion. Uh, yeah. he, he was he- just such a big presence then, and this is pre social media and all that. So I'm wondering, is a guy coming from Pascagoula, was a, a two sport guy like Dion because you played baseball too? Was that the attraction, or what got you to FSU in the first place?
3: Well, actually, we were three, sport guys. Uh, yes, the the what, what D was doing and how he was handling himself and marketing himself was, was very attractive. And, and finally, I got a chance to meet him my senior year. Uh, fell in love with everything he was doing, and he was excited. He was a guy. My nickname in high school was the general. Uh, D. Brooks would tell you that. He, D. Brooks still calls me the general. <laughs> so everybody else started calling me uh primetime junior the next Dion and, and and what Dion used to say, I used to say, hey, you gotta be yourself. And what I told what I tell people is when you a guy like Dion, which I talk to him still, you know, once a month, that when when you set the standards like that, then you're trying to reach something like what he said at Florida State, I mean, if you don't reach that and you fall somewhere near that, that still is going to be amazing. And what Dion said, not just the production on the field, it was a work ethic, the film study, uh, all the things that people don't really get a chance to see. The on the field stuff is a di- direct reflection of what you're doing off the field. And that, what I really, really, really appreciate most about D is, is setting that standard of behind the scenes and then at the next level of NFL of, of handling your body and taking care of your finances. So I'm forever indebted to what, what D has done or did.
1: Where A lot of people forget that Coach Bowden had two defensive coordinators his entire career at Florida State. Uh, the first one I yeah. played for, Jack Stanton, and the second one a man you played for in and, and Mickey Andrews, who who I consider one of the greatest yes. assistant coaches ever. Tell yeah, me about how your relationship developed and tell me about how he helped you uh, achieve your goals.
3: Well, you got to keep in mind, Coach Andrews, and by the way, I, I see him every time I come to Tallahassee. We'll, we'll get together for – breakfast or dinner and I will be coming through that in two weeks actually and we're going to get together I spoke to him a couple of days ago uh which I regularly do which and I thanked him for everything he's done I still use as coaching I was telling him this story yeah he had this thing that when he got mad at us for not doing what we're supposed to do obviously he would counsel everything we had to do in individual drills, and he would put some cones up two and a half, three yards away from each other. And we would have a tackling drill for 20, 30 minutes. I mean, just bang it all day, all individuals. If that were run over into some other drills, he didn't care. We was going to tackle until we understood what he was trying, the point he was trying to make. So, I was telling him that my corners were doing something in the meeting. They weren't paying attention. We went out and started our individual stuff, and they still was playing around. And I went into the Mick Andrews mode. Uh-oh. Stopped it, set them cones up two and a half yards apart, and we settled that that day. <laughs> and then We settled. Let me tell you something. That night in meetings, the next day in meetings, the kids was like, go. I don't know what we did, but we're sorry, and we'll never do that again. So We don't <laughs> want to do that no more. <laughs> See,
0: Keith is grinning.
3: Uh, Keith it is gr- was awesome. It was awesome. Keith's
0: grinning from ear to ear because he's old, old school. I hate to say this, T-Buck, but you're old school now, right? I mean, you're talking about <laughs> yeah. a different era, late late 80s, early 90s. Things have changed, as you know.
3: I, yes, I- but you can still get it in. You could still... Uh, and I'm not kidding you guys. I, I spoke to Coach Andrews uh, probably three months ago. I still get, I still use half of the stuff that we back then that we did for toughness, for attitude. Cause it doesn't change. Now football, you still got to be like Coach Bowser. You got to be in shape. You still tackling and blocking. You might do it different now. You're taking the head out of it. You still have to make plays. One of the most important things I think people really, really don't understand, they talk about all these great offensive guys, and this is one of the things I learned from Coach Andrews. Uh, Once you physically are in shape and you add the component of knowledge of the game of football and what it's truly about, it slows down for you, and now you can make those plays. You know, people are amazed, like, how did you make that play, and you know, for me, that's where you get to now he's guessing uh he, he has to get beat. No, I understand football. I know how to teach it. I know what it takes because I've had great teachers. I had a great teacher in high school, Jamie Kelly, who loved Coach Andrews. That's one of the reasons I end up at Florida State, people don't realize. And then Coach Andrews having arguably the greatest defensive back in the history of ball playing for him, Dion, and coming behind that and him providing that knowledge and wisdom to me uh, was unbelievable. And him playing for Coach Bryant, uh, it was a a perfect, perfect situation for me.
0: T-Bug, Keith Jones in his playing days had 12 career interceptions. He's tied for sixth on the all-time list.
3: Yes, I'm aware of that.
0: You had 12 in one year, dang it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you know what? That's what happens sometimes when you have great coaches around you, Coach Andrews, a great scheme, great players, uh, and then you add that with the attitude that I had, that that the knowledge and wisdom of the game, and a lot of those picks were we played what we call, you know, I, I moved from boundary corner, and Keith knows that I was at boundary corner, right, right, supposedly. Is the most physical side, you know, a lot, lot more
1: run That's support, a lot more run support. Pounds.
3: I was, I had full on pads on, and I mean, I was bringing it, bringing it. Now playing my high, Leroy Butler, who, by the way, doesn't get all the respect and credit he deserves. I think he's one of all time greats that should be hanging in the Raptors and in the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, my senior year, I moved to field corner, which is more of the covering and breaking on the ball. Now this is where the knowledge and wisdom come in. Well as I'm as I'm going through my process of elimination and playing half the field, the strong safety dropping down outside of number two, inside of number one, it was a lot of room to the outside for the offensive coordinators and the quarterback to say, Well, we want to throw speed outs all day. What well, I realized this, that that number two, that tight end, he was not pushing up the seam. He was cutting it off at like five yards, seven yards, running in breaks, out breaks, curls. And I'm playing half the field. I'm like, okay, they think I'm playing half the field because that's what schematics, that's what they say I'm supposed to do. But I actually couldn't play number one like man to man. Because number two is not threatening me.
1: Took himself right out of your territory.
3: Th- there you go. He running outs, running curls. So I was playing a little man to man without them knowing. they thinking I'm playing had the field, which I should have been, but number two wasn't threatening me. <laughs> That's the knowledge that I received from my Coach Kelly, Coach Andrews, and then I applied it because the game slowed down and I could think. I was thinking during the game. To me, that allows you to get 12, 13 picks. You count the bowl game, uh, 13. They start counting that now uh, and giving all the, the, the bunch of the credit to my teammates.
0: We're talking with Terrell Buckley. We'll let you go, in and in a, we could we could have this conversation we go on for an hour. We, we could. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Two two things: one FSU, and then one big picture in light of the championship game the other night. So the fake yeah. the fake fair catch at Syracuse, the fooler from Pascagoula, How many times did you do that and score touchdowns in high school?
3: I did a couple times in high school. I would say uh, twice. Uh, I remember one we it was uh, uh, Hurricane Andrew. We had to go play uh, Macomb, uh which is up in the northern part of Mississippi. Uh, we was down some players, so just creating the whole attitude. I moved from corner to safety. We were just trying to create some some points. Uh, this was on our way to the to the, uh, trying to repeat. And one of the things. The guy was punting the ball, not very deep, and trying to figure out a way to get him to slow down, which was the same attitude for the Syracuse. So I could turn the corner. I felt like I could outrun a few people. So that's kind of how that developed. And took it from there, did it one other time, and, and obviously brought that. It was still fresh on my mind. Uh, I want to say we played Syracuse in September. It was early. Uh, yeah, it was early. early early part of 89 so it was still you know i'm not that far removed from high school so it was still on my mind and I, I that was the second or third month that we had and i feel like you know like man i could turn that corner i got a shot and that's what that came about
0: great story here here's the last question for you and we won't get too far into this game but in light of Clemson's dominate dominance against Alabama the other night. I mean, I, I realize you're, yes. you're coaching at Mississippi State. You see Alabama every yes. year right now. Did that take some of the luster and the shine uh, or the aura of invincibility off of Nick Saban's program in Alabama, do you think?
3: I don't think so. I think what, what Clemson has done has put together and matched what Alabama was doing recruiting-wise, getting the players in there. We, I felt like this year if it's one of those crazy things. Number one defense in the country, I was on this year, Mississippi State. So like we had the best secondary in the country. My corners got two prospects this year, one a top ten next year pick. We felt like we could have did what Clemson did. We didn't get the breaks. So watching that game – it was just a, a confirmation on, on what our attitude was, that all level of play had risen to what Alabama and Coach Saban has established. And to me, that's not a knock on I, – I mean, I love the fact. I love – in order to be great and special, you got to have somebody that's great and special in An Alabama program with Coach Saban is like that. And you have to love that challenge. That That's what it's about clemson with dabble who i've met a few times have taken that approach and I, I love what they've accomplished uh at Clemson.
0: well they're to be commended no sure uh, no doubt and as are you congratulations uh, on the honors uh, the latest Noel, number nine from florida state uh, not number nine on the uniform but the ninth player coach yes. from from fsu to go into the the hall of fame congratulations
3: well thank you so much and I just want to say to the other guys that I'm joining us it's an honor special. All the other Florida State greats. I appreciate even being in their presence and this is uh this is a special award and always be cherished. All righty,
4: Terrell Buckley. And
3: thank you guys for having me on.
4: You bet. Congratulations, you bet.
0: Buck. Well 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 earned, well deserved. Here's that list thank by you. the way, KJ. Talk about what? a Mount Rushmore. Thank you again, T Buck. You got Derek Brooks, you got Deion Sanders, Ron Simmons, Bobby Bowden. Charlie Ward, Daryl Mudra, Fred Belitnikoff, Ron Sellers, and now Terrell Buckley. Impressive it's list. Pretty much just about every jersey that's hanging up <laughs> underneath the scoreboard. And and if you look at the criteria, we'll get into this later, Keith, the, there's about another eight names that could be considered here, the guys that starred in the uh, in the 90s for FSU. We need to take a break. Uh, we appreciate Terrell joining us, and congrats again. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles after this.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: A little basketball music there as we bring it back. That was a good football conversation. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linefeld uh, joins us and we'll talk some hoops. I do want to mention again, thanks to Terrell Buckley. I do want to sort of state the obvious here. I know that his name has been mentioned. Uh, you know, does is he interested in joining FSU staff? Perhaps. Does Coach Taggart have interest? Perhaps not. We didn't ask him that question because I didn't when I invited. him on, fair. His, uh, It's not fair. He, he's a, he's a sitting coach at Mississippi State. He's not going to comment it on the record, for, so I didn't waste any airtime asking him that question. But it was good to walk down memory lane, and uh, he told us all about how he got the name of Fapascagula. Tim, what was your nickname uh, in, in high school as you were coming up in these parts?
4: You know, I don't know that it's appropriate for a family show, Tom. Uh, we'll have to uh, discuss off the air, and we can maybe reveal at a future date
0: yeah maybe we could just we could we could use that to incentivize listeners to tune back (laughs) in uh hey basketball keith and i already recapped the virginia game it took four seconds so let's look ahead to tonight's miami game nine o'clock uh i hate to use the term must win when it's game two in the conference but with duke looming it kind of feels like you got to get this and get to one and one as duke comes to town
4: yeah it's definitely like you said maybe not a must win but it's uh You'd really like to win, you know, uh, particularly, like you said, with Duke coming up and then you got a quick turnaround to go uh, to Pittsburgh, which I think we all believe is improved uh, under Jeff Capel and then uh, at Boston College. So after tonight you have Duke at home and then two road games in the ACC, which are never a picnic. So, yeah, you know, uh, we were actually talking uh, yesterday, I think it was with uh, – I remember I think it was MJ, either M.J. Walker or Phil Cooper. I think it was M.J. Walker who was saying how, you know, if you remember, the the team last year kind of fell into a hole – in ACC play and had to climb out of it and, and spent, you know, really the first half of the ACC schedule feeling like they were behind the eight ball. I, it worked out for that group, but it's not something that they want to do again. So, uh, you know, I think, yeah, picking up a win tonight against a, you know, a team like Leonard Hamilton referred to Miami as a wounded Tiger 0-2 in the ACC, but you know probably some hard luck in some of those games as well. Uh, you know, Miami's going to be, you know, kind of maybe, maybe even more of that both in Florida State is they don't want to be 0-3. Um, and so I uh, think you know, you're probably going to get miami's best shot and in Florida State could use a win as well, so it should be pretty compelling. And yeah, those Florida State Miami basketball games are always fun you know they're always physical uh they're always tough they always seem to get a little little chippy a little testy uh by the middle of the second half so uh, it should be uh, an entertaining game.
1: I want to go back to one of your earlier comments if you go back and look at last year indeed Florida State began their ACC play one of two and uh they lost their first game and then won one and then lost another one which you know, on paper, looks like might be the, th- the issue this week. But you don't want to go about it the same way. This is a different team in a different era. And uh, I know Miami is shorthanded, but uh, they are still very, very talented. And as you've mentioned, the last uh, three or four games in particular, Florida State's been victorious, but they have not been blowouts. They've not been games in which you felt like you were in control the entire 40 minutes.
3: No,
4: you remember the one uh, here last year uh, went to overtime. I think Miami made 17 three pointers. Uh, in that game, They they've always been pretty close. I think you know we all know Jim Larinay is a really good coach, uh, and maximizes uh, you know their roster down there. And as, as you alluded to, Keith, it's it's, uh, it's a shorthanded team. That's kind of who they are. They have I like, think seven scholarship players. Um, uh, they have eight, I think six guys playing at least 24 minutes a game. I like think Florida State has three. Uh, with that that number, uh, and then they also have, I guess, a walk-on who uh, who plays pretty significant minutes as well. And so uh, they do have good, you know, pretty solid top-end talent. Uh, Chris likes the guard. I think he's going to be a handful. He's five seven. Like
1: he's short, but he scores what seventeen a game?
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty-eight against uh, NC State the other night. He's really fast. Uh, and if there's one thing, you know, I mean, Florida State's defense is, is is really strong. But I don't I don't know. If this is the fastest team. Uh, and so you know, when you look at a uh, small. Uh, really, really fast guard. I mean, that could that could cause you know a bit of a nightmare, uh, or not a night not not a nightmare, a bit of a matchup. I was gonna say matchup nightmare, and I thought the better, of it. that sounds a little too extreme. But a uh, matchup conundrum. You know, you got to figure that out. Uh, and then they had the the kid uh, Dayon, uh, uh, you know, with the with the, uh, with the last name uh, that can really shoot three pointers. So starts with uh, a V. You see, <laughs> so you got, you got, a, you, got a, you got a small guy that can can get to the basket, uh, can flash the basket, and then another guy who can you kick it out to him and shoot threes uh, you know, they they can cause problems. I mean look, they were up by uh ten against NC State and lost. They were up by fifteen against Louisville and lost. They gave those teams problems. Uh so you know, I think Florida State needs to play it it you know, uh, needs to play a good game. Now look, as deep as FSU is and that's that's kind of this this program's calling card over the last few years, uh, you know, coming coming here and, and only being able to play seven or eight guys uh you know it's probably not your uh your recipe for success if you're Miami but that doesn't mean Florida State can just sleepwalk through it no
0: question no question of course Duke's made a living of playing seven or eight guys and it seems of course those seven or eight guys are (laughs) all lottery picks yeah yeah they are that that goes without saying hey uh what what's the story here with DeAndre he's back in school so he's he's still on the team he's coming back do we know
4: where are we on this that's uh that's that's my understanding is that uh you know, I mean, and look, you know, he, he indicated it uh, a few weeks ago in that Orlando Sentinel story. You know, why uh, why would I leave Florida State? Um, and that was kind of the thought that, that I had as well. I mean, I know there's a lot of speculation that, that he might be moving on somewhere else, but, uh, but you know, to me the question was, was why. If, if you're him, uh, why would he? Uh, you know, I mean, he's a, a, a two-year starter, would have been a three-year starter, obviously has the support, uh, of his head coach um, and, you know, his in position to, to continue his career here, uh, you know, if he's staying here is, is an option, why would you not do that? You know, rather than, you know, go start over somewhere else or go out to learn a new system or whatever the case may be. And, you know, maybe it could still work out that way just because uh, he would be able to. Uh, but I got to think just certainly from his perspective, uh, you know, staying in Florida State's a pretty attractive option.
0: Tim, I'd, would you grade him A or B work today? Uh, I'd go B+.
1: Plus. B+. plus. It's early in the semester, and uh, he'll, get his, he'll get his act together as he gets closer
0: towards finals.
4: Hey, that's above my usual, usual average. Yeah,
0: you have you, yeah, well, you set the bar high, so it's good to see that you're not slacking off. Tim, appreciate it. <laughs> you got it, Phil. Our seminals.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, who joins us each and every week. Keith, uh, a reminder to uh, the fine folks that uh, listen to this show that the Tallahassee Beer Festival is coming up on January 26th. Beer from over 65 breweries. Uh, this is uh, taking place at the pavilion at the center of Tallahassee. You're excited about the uh, cornhole tournament that'll be taking place. Uh, I'm more excited about the uh, variety of brews, whether it's uh, you know the local folks, more established distributors. Don't forget the food. Don't forget the food. Well, yeah. Well, that look at us. That goes without saying. <laughs> uh, another segment is straight ahead. Stay with us.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Keith, uh, it's a star-studded show. Uh, well, it always is. You're always by my side, so that's one. Well, but, there you go. Uh, Terrell Buckley joined us earlier, and uh, one of his uh, mentors that he referred to, we're, we're pleased to bring him to the program, a Florida State legend, Mickey Andrews, is on the line. Coach, how are you?
5: Doing great, guys. Happy New Year to y'all.
0: Same to you. Happy New Year to you. Coach, uh, let's hear your best Terrell Buckley story. Oh,
5: gosh. Oh, uh... gosh
0: that you can share on the public airwaves.
5: <laughs> well, I think a lot of people saw this. Uh, it was uh, a typical buck fashion. We're playing up at Syracuse, uh, and he's back to field a punt. Of course, he was a great punt returner. And when he catches a ball, he just stands there. He, he doesn't do anything. You know, like he just went to give it to the official – and all of a sudden those Syracuse players covering the punt. They just just ran past him. And uh so then he takes off and the guy scores a touchdown. And I think it was a I think that was the the day that he became the Fula from Pascagoula. I think Gene gave him that uh, name uh as it ended. But that's one of the most memorable things I can see. And uh you know, I saw that happen on TV this year. I don't remember who it was, but did kind of the same thing, and people relaxed and uh, figured. You know, they just assumed, which is something you can't do on a football field. Assumed that uh, he, he had very caught the ball, and and uh, and I, I, I think of it so many times. A guy that, you know, maybe that was kind of like uh, Deion signaling that he's going to take it to the house. Up there, at no, I think it's ago. very similar, no question. Yeah, no doubt. No now, doubt. Coach,
1: I know you. I know you. When you greeted Buckley on the sideline, your first comment to him was, "Don't ever do that again." Nice job.
5: <laughs> I don't know if that was the first one, but it came into conversation. You know, I, I remember one time where we're playing. Uh, we're playing Penn State. Uh, was it was it the Blockbuster Bowl? Blockbuster or the, or the original
1: ball? original bowl game in that stadium, yeah. if I recall.
5: Yeah, I don't remember which one, but we were playing Penn State, and he he uh, goes back there to field the punt. It. it seemed like it was on a punt most of the time, and and he he retreats about 20, 25 yards. I don't remember exactly. And I'm boy, I'm I'm giving the devil at that time. And then he went, when he finally turned the corner on the last guy and took off, uh, man, I, I, I'm giving him the go charge after that, you know. <laughs> but here I was thinking some ugly things about it, and when he got to the sideline, it was more hugging his neck than it was getting on to him.
0: Talking with Mickey Andrews. T-Buck's going to be uh, the third College Football Hall of Famer that, t- that you coached, Mickey. Uh, Dion. Derek Brooks, now Terrell, and and there's there's several others that uh, will be up, and I'm sure a couple more will get in. But of those three, what what's the commonality amongst them? Whether it's work ethic or or you know football intellect, uh, what competitiveness? What is it?
5: Well, I think the first thing you have to say is is uh, and uh, to me, it's the re- it's the first requirement that you look for in a prospect as a football player. There are just some things you can't coach, you know. You can work on speed, you can work on strength, and you can make a little progress. But I'm not sure, at least I'm not smart enough, to ever figure out a way to to improve a guy's instincts, uh, ability, you know, just to get out there. Uh, What you try to do is give the players enough information that they can be successful and then the football player comes out of them. And most of the time it's in the middle of a play, which uh, no way you can really basically prepare for. But the guys, uh, I remember most scary telling me one time, I asked him what was the most important part that you look for in a college player to come to the pros. He was a, line, he was a defensive line coach with Miami when they went 17 and 0 that year, whatever. And he said, he didn't bat an eye, He just vision. And I got to thinking about it. I've never been around a great defensive player that didn't have great vision. All three of them had it. Uh, Whether you call it anticipation, some people call it the nose for the ball. Uh, But you get them to a point, and then a football player comes out of them. and, And man, oh man, all three of them really had that
1: coach uh during our conversation with T Buck uh you know, as you well know cuz you stay in good contact with him he's the uh defensive backs coach at uh, Mississippi State uh he made yeah, a good one. He, yeah he 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 said he had to bring the cones out. He had to bring the cones <laughs> out. In fact he had to do it during bowl preparation. Yeah. <laughs> so he's adopted some of your philosophies. They still carry on.
5: Well, you know I, I was finishing up just, well, actually right before I finished up. People started uh, getting smart, I guess you call it, on offense. They figured out, and, and maybe uh, our favorite ball coach figured out as, as early as, as anybody. Uh, he always said, if I move a man out, Berger did, then you got to move out with him. you got to put one with him. If I move two out, you got to move two out. And he said, I simply block your guy by splitting him out. And he's talking about the core of the remaining part of the team. And for all practical purposes, that's right. And, and I remember I had to start doing more open field tackling. You know, you're not going to be good at something that you don't practice and get good at it in, in practice. And, uh, but I always left a little cone drill there that we call goal line tackling which is close quarters, and that wasn't anything but competition or keeping a, boy or a guy from falling forward, whether it was third and one, fourth and one, uh, on a goal line, and it was just part of the toughness you had to maintain while you were you were doing that. And, of course, none of the guys really enjoyed it. You know, Maybe the safeties did because they were better uh, refined space players, but – uh I remember they I only had one guy that really complained about it, but it wasn't Dion or Buckley or uh any of those guys.
0: Talking with Mickey Andrews. Mickey, I'm I'm gonna shift the conversation to uh the the game the other night here in a moment, but for, for folks listening we're talking about terrell buckley so the criteria to go into the college football hall of fame you have to be 10 years removed from your last game you have to have been a first team mm-hmm. all american on one of a handful of the recognizable lists i don't have that in front of me but it's probably ap and football writers i don't know the exact exact list but the point being mickey these are guys that were first team during your day that whose names are still out there and are, are eligible and some of them will get in uh Leroy butler mm-hmm. marvin jones Derek alexander Corey Sawyer, Clifton Abraham, Peter Bolware, Reynard Wilson, Sam Cowart, Corey Simon, and apologies to any name that I missed there because I'm looking at the media guide as we're talking. But I mean that's an awfully impressive list, and I have to feel that certainly Shade Tree needs to be in, and 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 Peter Raynard needs to get in too after the numbers they put up.
5: Oh, I'm telling you, nobody. I don't know if many people really understand how how great players they were, including the three that have already made it now, uh, because they didn't get to see them in practice every day. And the good fortune that we had is bringing in some players, and that was our part of it, to give them an opportunity to see how far they would, would go with it. And I always thought recruiting was, was a main part of it. Uh, but the development was the second part. And that's a combination thing with the player and the coach. Player can't do it by himself. Coach can't do it by him himself. And we were fortunate enough to have a, a number of people, like you said, that are still waiting to get in there because I didn't, see, I didn't hear you call any names that didn't belong there because they went through the process and never got satisfied where they were.
0: Mickey, Monday night, Clemson whipped up on Alabama, which may not have surprised you the way that game unfolded. And Clemson's very, very good, and we tip our cap to them. But certainly it caught college football's attention, I think, because of what Alabama has been. So I'm curious. You you played for the Bear. You coached with Bobby. And so then you watch Alabama against Dabo – is what Dabo has built does it remind you of the dynasty days when you were coaching with Bobby?
5: Well, I think you have to look at Dabo and he's you know, he went he went to Alabama as well. I think the the thing that stands out about Dabo, he wasn't on scholarship when he got there. He's one of those guys that when he got out to practice got out of practice, he didn't go to the training table to eat. He went to Burger King or uh, food market and got a pack of crackers and a Coke or something. And he still had work to go do. And that was the thing that just amazed me about all these years. Our kids would come out of the dining hall, I mean, come out of the uh, dressing room, go through the lobby. Most, all the scholarship players were taking a left to go eat. And just to see those guys that went straight ahead out the doors, And they had to do that. And uh, I've been asked a lot of times who my favorite player was. And they assumed that I was going to say it was one of those great players that we had through the years. But I'm going to tell you, my heart goes with the people that that did what Dabo did, that stayed as a graduate assistant coach, and ended up going uh, to Clemson. Uh, he might have even been a GA there. I, I know Tommy had him as a receiver coach at, at one time, and then he was given the opportunity, but you know, uh, there's so much about football that, that the outcome is not always based on who has the best players, but it's about the best players that play the best. And that's what Clemson did. You know, maybe, you know, you look at it and maybe you look at Alabama and say, well, they've been uh, been patted on the back and tell, told how great they were all year long, and they were. But they faced a team that had great players as well, and they played as a team better than, than Alabama did. Maybe they were a little hungry. Uh, not many of those kids at Alabama – had not been on a national championship, you had you had about four players that came back that could have gone out as juniors last year at Clemson that came back. They were a little more driven maybe than some of the guys at Alabama just because of that. And when you get a core like that, they can affect another team, uh, affect their way in a team that uh, you don't normally get because – it became the players' team, not just uh, the coaches' team.
0: Mickey, it is always great to uh, hear your voice and uh, take the stroll down memory lane. We appreciate it. It's good to hear you.
5: Well, it's good to be with y'all, and uh, I'm just still pulling for for our guys to get back in that hunt. It's going to take more than a year or two, but uh, I believe we're on a good foundation, and when they get their staff finalized and, and then get a commitment out of the people coming back and joining them uh, I believe you see a little bit different uh outfit next year,
1: and Mickey, I think we agree
0: with you as well again,
1: thank you for your time, and happy new year.
5: All right guys, y'all too
0: Go knowles go knowles Mickey Andrews, a Florida state legend, he basically said of all the guys that walk through the door, the ones that uh he admired the most were the do-it-yourself projects and speaking of do-it-yourself projects kj he, he said the walk-ons right that's what yeah, he said yeah yeah that's not a professional segue i don't know what is do you want to take it from here or you want me to finish <laughs> i'll it? let you finish ron and his knowledgeable staff at cornerstone tool and fastener 1110 stuckey avenue 3269 crawfordville highway call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf Folks, it was a stroll down memory lane. Uh, we could have had both Mickey and Terrell on and filled the rest of the shows for this year if they would have given us the time. Uh, but those were good times. And good times will be coming back for Florida State. Nothing, nothing lasts forever. We found out that the dynasty ended. And uh, what we're going through right now is going to take a positive turn as well. And, and, and hopefully it'll be sooner as opposed to later. Uh, but it will happen. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again next week.